Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks. That is, that's you. Welcome. How many years have we been playing together? And you're like, it's me. It's me. It, it us. After securing a contract and planning on a date and time to finally meet up, the Heralds of Greenest are on their way to see Thondorvrak, the blue dragon. They hope to finalize an agreement between the dragon and the city of Waterdeep over the Olam Harp. So now they're headed to the town of Larlet to finish negotiations and settle the agreement once and for all. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I have whiskey in a glass, in, in the pretty Jack glasses that I got. Yay. Uh, this is actually the last of the Jack Daniels and honey that I picked up many, many, many months ago. And I just was feeling like I needed some Jack and honey. I needed something sweet. I needed something nice. And this has been perfect. And I am happy. Travancore. What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is once again, Blue Moon Mango Wheat. The other day I was grilling with this. As we've established before, I am the kind of person who loves to have a cold beer with him when he is operating the grill. I have one left and I'm saving it for Father's Day where the plan is ribs. So does Steven. Steven will be like, the happiest I see him is he's got like his beard and he has his, his grilling apron and he's out there grilling. I, I have to ask, is there some sort of terrible pun on his apron? No, actually. And and now I'm kind of sad, but he ordered himself a grillin' apron. Hmm. And he was like, this is my apron for grillin'. And he's got his beer and he grills. And in our tiny backyard. You can embroider a pun onto it for him. I really, really should. My mom has this wonderful apron that she's had since, like, before I was born that says, got more time for misbehaving since I started microwaving. And I need to... <laughs> Well, you know it's what? It's very uh, 80s, right? Like, it's super, super 80s. Listeners at home, if you have a suggestion for an awesome apron that we can buy for the significant others in our lives who like grilling and chilling, let us know. Meanwhile, Bernie, what are you drinking? Okay, this is really special and exciting for me and for everybody else in the United States. They're going to be like, okay, I have cherry Coke. Hmm. I love cherry coke. It's the best coke. It is one of those things where it's like my favorite thing to get at a movie theater. And because, oh, out of fountain, just I die. And some of the movie theaters in North Carolina have cheer wine. So they'll be like, I'll get a cheer wine. But if they don't cheer wine, usually get a cherry coke. They freaking don't have cherry coke in Canada. They have fucking raspberry coke, which is not the same. They have huh. cherry vanilla coke, which I only ever see in diet. They have lots of vanilla. They have all these like weird flavors, but they don't just have cherry coke. We have this like drugstore near us where like, you know, just all of our basic little errands and I had to go pick up a prescription. And because we don't like to go some, we like we never go somewhere now that involves just one thing. So if I have to pick up my prescription, 
the day I have to pick it up, we make a big long list of everything we possibly need for the from the drugstore. And so we were going and they actually have like a grocery section. We're like, all right, pick all this shit up. And I walked by and so many times in that drugstore have I walked and have I seen what I thought was a case of cherry coke. And then I got closer and it was fucking diet cherry vanilla coke, which is uh. gross, gross, gross. But this said limited time. And this was a case of cherry coke, 24 cans of cherry coke and i am we don't drink a lot of soda so we are basically we've got the case in our pantry and then we put two cherry cokes in the fridge at a time and save them for something special like last weekend we went on a picnic cherry coke tonight i'm playing D. <laughs> cherry coke there's no booze in this i don't need booze it's beautiful it's wonderful i'm so happy if you live in canada and you can find cherry coke in your damn grocery store you let me know you let me know if you are in the Ontario area. Thunder Ontario Bay. is very big. If you're in Thunder Bay, I'm not going to Thunder. It's I could get to North Carolina before <laughs> I can get to Thunder. No, that's not true. Yeah. I can get to North Carolina before I can get to Halifax. But but if you're in the national capital region, shit, I don't care if you're in Toronto. We got friends in Toronto. If you like, if you are within a five hour driving radius, and there's cherry coke in your grocery store. Let me know. Let me know tweet at us let us please please i miss it they don't have it in movie theaters up here i had to get a regular coca-cola it's not the same nope all right quick question because luke is a fan of the the diet cherry coke not vanilla just cherry coke and diet cherry coke is diet cherry coke an option i don't really drink diet drinks because i for me it's one of the things i don't drink enough soda then i'm like if i'm having a soda i'm just having a soda it's Mm. the sugar and the calories like to me because it's not an everyday thing i i'm just like no this is my sometimes treat okay so i i and i just can never get over the taste honestly i have people who like it better i have friends who swear it's better tasting it depends for me people who think cilantro tastes like soap so well but that's a genetics thing and I'm not going to argue with genetics, but yeah, so that is good to know. So listeners at home, Cherry Coke. Cherry also Coke. listeners at home, Carlton, what are you drinking? You may have just noticed that weird face I was making, but the the new Sanguine Dice on uh, D&D Beyond makes squishy noises. And it's like, yes, it was really unsettling because I was not expecting it. It's like, oh, they're cool. Sanguine Dice. What were you expecting? I was just like, all right, cool. It's got like the little heartbeat. It's bloody. But I was not expecting the visceral sounds of it hitting and splattering. <laughs> well, I mean, you can turn the sound off, so that helps. Well, I would know that now, but not, yeah. I didn't know there was sound included. It caught me off guard. Uh, anyways, uh, listeners well, at home, how now do that I've get done... the, 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 the blood dice? Um, you have to be a subscriber. You do have to be a subscriber. Which yeah. I am, because I... I DM a lot and share. Yeah, you get all of my content through the content sharing, but stuff like custom dice or uh, any of the pre-order perks, you do have to actually be a subscriber to get. So you might not have those. Do you know the French word for a rare steak is sang? Like it's basically hmm. sanguine. Bloody sang steak. Because yeah. they're just like, give it to me bloody. Yeah. But anyway, your drink. My, I used to, used to say my dad likes his steak still mooing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my drink tonight, uh, my birthday was this past Sunday. And friend of the show, Jason, brought me six different beverages. Each of them had a little number on them. So this is number one. And it is Bionade. Ginger orange. orange, I can word today. It's been a long day, folks. Carbonated soft drink. I mean, that that sounds like it could be good. What's the numbers for? The order that I'm supposed to drink them in. 
Oh. oh. This is the first one. This will be the second one, et cetera, et cetera. So I have six weeks worth of drinks from friend of the show, Jason, for my birthday. He's set up a tasting order. I am amused. We're There's on a journey. There's also a six-pack of yeah. Ventimint's Cherry Cola that just said, whenever. Oh. Well, there you go. <laughs> and and how was it? It was tasty. Nice. It's tart and uh, yeah, refreshing. Well, we're on a roll with our drinks. Let's see what happens when we get to Jonathan. What are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I'm playing Jonathan the Medge Muscular, and tonight... I have a dual first-time tasting. So, you guys know that I am usually one to drink the seltzers, the alcohol, the hard seltzers. Well, truly, uh, the, my brand of choice just released Punch Seltzers. This one is actually kind of freaking out because of my green screen. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Yeah, you, you, you had it back and you flicked it up and there was a moment in where there was zero in your hand and i'm like this is a magic so trick. we have a the the one that's freaking out my green screen is the citrus punch and we also have the fruit punch and now it's time for some live tasting so here we go citrus punch drink number one uh i don't know if oh. i like that it's uh it's a bit Ooh. medicine-y actually that's the oh. let's uh let's try the fruit punch fruit punch is a lot better uh they're neither okay. of them are great but the fruit punch is definitely like, more of what you expect with Fruit Punch. They actually probably both mix really well. Hmm. But not with each other. Yeah, just not with each other. So I, I, mm. it's gonna, I, am, I am committed to finishing these because I have two more on deck of new flavors. Drunk Vault of Glass is best Vault of Glass. And speaking of drunk, <laughs> uh, tonight's shot of Fireball, to be consumed in the first casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to Al Stover. Thank you so much, Al, for Yay! hanging out with us and, and listening and being... Uh, being one of our more uh, engaged fans, we really, really do appreciate it. Thank you for sticking with us. And this fireball shot is for you. Are we going to be firing, fireballing something? Who I knows? guess we'll see. I mean, Al that knows. is a question. Al Al Lauren, Lauren, Lauren. Uh, wait, if you fun fact, if you if the fireball shots for you, Lauren actually emails you in advance of the episode and tells you what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it also I know most likely is going to be for a mind blank. <laughs> probably for a mind like yeah. it's usually the first thing you do every day <laughs> and that's so that's gonna be a bunch, bunch of my questions at this point because as i said in a little recap we're and and as we talked about the last time we got together uh we're skipping ahead two days of your downtime so we are currently on we're, we're not at pi day i have been keeping track we're at chess 11 it is the morning of Chess 11. Uh, the last thing that had happened in game, at least, was that this is the day that Thantorvrak had set up for all of you to meet him back in the town of Larlet, the where you met him the first time to get the information about going to the Plain of Water, to talk with him about all the stuff that you've been preparing for. So it is the morning, and I'm going to say that... So you have some time, basically, over breakfast to talk about any last minute things before Jonathan will teleport you there as you've been there before and now Jonathan can get you there. Is there anything you would like to do or are you set to go and would you like to bamf away? I'm good with bamfing. I can catch up with Livia when I get back, if I get back. I'm good with bamfing. I mean, Carlton was going to just spend the last two days of his free time doing what he's been doing and just practicing his Chef Carlton skills. Well, now you can take uh, your skills on the road. Exactly. Bernie's been reading books about hostage negotiation. 
Bernie's been reading uh, hostage negotiation. Carlton has been working on cooking. Travancore, I know you wanted to talk to Olivia Passerak, but you've also been working on your your art skills for Murray. Jonathan has been doing some of the back and forth with the watchful order. Uh, but this is the morning to go speak to Thontorvrak. Now is the time. All right. I know you're all excited to go speak to another dragon. I know it's super exciting. You've negotiated with two of them successfully. Um, you're continuing to negotiate with Antorvrak, and then there was the the dragon on the Isle of Water, who I know there's lingering doubts about things, but I, I will out of play confirm that, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Like, he's not going to get upset over anything. You made an honest deal. He's happy with the deal. Like, it's status quo on the, the Isle of Water. You did not leave, and he's not going to go attack the town or anything like that. So you successfully negotiated with that dragon, um, and got what you wanted without violence. So, yeah. I like offering those things. Anyway, you are sitting around the breakfast table. Not made by Carlton, because I am assuming that Carlton wants to be a part of the the warm-up chat before you do the teleportation. So this is a Gestock-made breakfast. Yeah, Carlton decided that th- today would be his uh, day off sleeping in from his job unpaid internship. From your on-the-job training? On-the-job training, yeah. I mean, that is a good thing about on-the-job training, unpaid internship, slash, uh, hey, I'm just learning from Gestock, whatever he'll teach me, is that when you told Gestock, hey, I'm not going to be around today, he went, okay. Cool. <laughs> you ain't my employee, so whenever you're here is whenever you want to be here. Cool. I will let you know next time I feel like being here. Okay. And the day is yours. All right. Well, hey, Kate Carlton, I got a, I yeah. got a secret. Uh, is it uh, you're going to boot my head? No. Okay. What is it then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you hot on my head, not yes. poop my head. Nope. More of a gigahergurk. Yeah. Gigahergurk. <laughs> I feel like Jonathan's magic is like, <laughs> and Bertie's magic is like, like. <laughs> <laughs> Bertie's gonna. If Bertie cast Mind Blank, it would be a wet willy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it totally would be a wet willy. It would be. It would be. I considered. I really considered. The, the way that I would um, revive all of you from the dead would be with a wet willy. Oh, dear. But then I thought, that's incredibly invasive <laughs> and de- possibly desecration of a dead body. <laughs> well, I feel like if you have a form on file stating that we are we are aware of the resuscitation techniques of one Bernice Q. Burns and we consent to whatever, whatever somatic components are necessary for yeah. our... For our return to the land of the, uh, to the return of the mortal coil, then uh, that that probably be something that she collects and keeps on hand. I mean, Travancore, you could talk to Sh- uh, Shannon Douglas again and get that written up very oh, easily. Get actually. a DNWW clause written into my uh, medical paperwork. <laughs> Do not wet Willie. Yep. <laughs> Do not wet Willie. Yeah, we've never really signed any formal. Like we have like all these handshake agreements. Yeah, but I. I, I mean, speaking as someone who plays a cleric, I, I feel like at that point, if you've got those kind of understandings between yeah. found family, like you don't need the official form. If you're trusting that person to bring you back to life, you're okay with basically whatever they're doing. So I wouldn't wet willy you all in death. Having this conversation, I go, Bernie, I consent to you bringing me back from any form of unnatural death. I can do. Yes, I can do that. Like, don't bring me back because I'm old and died because I was old. No, I wouldn't do that. But if I take an axe to the face like I tend to do... I believe we now have a mutual friend who will probably cover that aspect of your... 
Oh, death? Life. Oh, that's right. We're acquainted with death now. Oh, that's that's something that Jonathan the Magic Muscular forgets. We, we, we make our way around, don't we? Makes a good breakfast. How come you didn't intern with them? And she looks over at Carlton. <laughs> because as much as I enjoy the heroic life, I don't so much enjoy the taking life part that comes with it as much as I did when I was younger. Mind you, like, it was only three weeks ago that I really enjoyed it. But these last few weeks, you know, I feel a little older now, more wiser, more mind blanks. And, you know, you just want to do something, like learn a skill, do something that can give back. Like, I can feed people and that's giving back to the community, you know? Like, there's hungry kids out there, I'll feed them. And then teach him how to hit somebody with an axe. You know, it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> Carlton Tanks has reached the generativity stage of Maslow's Pyramid. Well, I, just, I mean, I don't think the internship would actually involve much more than filing paperwork. You might be lucky if you got to make lunch, well, to be honest. that sounds super boring, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm sorry, for those at home who needed to pause the podcast to do a quick Google search on what Travancore just said, I applaud you. And I love you. And I love Travancore. Please continue. Do you guys, <laughs> speaking... Also, if you're already paused, um, Maslow's hierarchy of hats is pretty good. <laughs> that is also very good. Then please come back to the podcast so that we can continue with the negotiations of a blue dragon. Look at us stalling like we're trying to help Seeking or something. No, just, I'm just seeing like, why would you intern with someone to learn a skill you already are so well versed in? Death is mostly a lot of paperwork. Sounds very boring. You guys were there, not me. Yeah. Yeah, it was very boring. Death was boring. All right, so... Don't tell this, him I said that. Then. Yeah, I know I'm not going to. I'm not an idiot. So this, uh, so today, goals for today, everyone, and Bernie, like... Not meet death. Claps her hands together and, like, does, like, she's like... Bernie has moved into meeting mode. <laughs> and she pulls out a, a, a bullet-pointed agenda that you don't know where she got it from. But she's like, all right, so we're going to be going to, it's not Marmot, it's not Marmot. Larlet. Larlet. <laughs> all I can think about is Marmots. And Varmots also. <laughs> what tarnation? Um, we're going to Larlet. <laughs> and so I think, so Bernie looks over at Travancore. She goes, Travancore is currently in possession. I assume he picked it up. You picked up the contract. We're just assuming. You yeah. currently are in possession of the contract. It needs to be signed by both parties, right? Yep. Yeah, the valid contract needs to be to be enforceable. It needs to be agreed to by both parties. And one party has to recognize that the other one has signed it and let them know that they've signed it as well. And we have to have a witness. Who wants to sign as witness? Can I get a witness? Jonathan the Metromuscular will sign as a witness. Actually, Jonathan, uh, you might not be considered a neutral third party since oh, you're right. a member yeah, of the you can't sign Magistrate okay. Guild. I was gonna say I have no affiliations with any group of people, other than the Heralds of Greenest. So, Carlton is sure. seeking a. No Do we need this thing notarized too? No. Like, is, is seeking a notary? No. No, I can. No. <laughs> the answer to both of those questions is no. Is is seeking? Do you need it notarized? No. Is seeking a notary? No. <laughs> Do we want if, if if those two conditions were true, would we want seeking to notarize? No. I'd rather no, also thousand no. unpaid jobs. Bernie, I get a different notary. Bernie says, I don't believe Seekin can read, and notary is not on the agenda. And I'll say for the paperwork, for the specificity of the paperwork, 
once it's signed by both parties, you will return it to, and, and you know all of this, Shannon Douglas, who will then make legal copies for both parties if they wish. And she will, as the uh, attorney who has written up the contract, she will hold on to the original in lieu of one of the two parties holding on to both. So, and that's kind of a legal norm in Waterdeep. Makes sense. All right, so we've got that under control. So the goal of the day is that they both sign the contract, all right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're working towards. So should we go to the Watchful Order to get it signed? Well, I thought the Watchful Order was going to end up being there. Oh. So Jonathan, you so you know for a fact that Balana Zadok, one of the reasons that she gave you the list of musicians who are planned on being contracted to perform in this potential concert that she wants to do, the reason she gave that to you was twofold. One, you all kind of insisted that you needed that and that Thontorvrak might need this in the negotiations, although she did say, if possible, leave the musicians out of it. Two... She did not want to participate in that specific negotiation. She felt like if a contract was necessary, and she's she still kind of wanted you to just give her the instrument, uh, but she felt like if a contract was necessary, that you were the back and forth party. And so there's nobody from the Watchful Order who's planning on going with you. Okay, but they still need to sign it. Uh, you're not signing it as part of the Watchful Order. You're taking it to Thontorvac for him to sign it, and then you're taking it back to the Watchful Order for someone there, maybe Bolana herself, to sign it. But you are not the person okay. signing it on behalf of the Watchful Order. Okay. But they want Thontorvac to sign it first. That you haven't discussed with them, but your interactions with Bolana indicate that they're less interested in a formal contract and more just when can we have the instrument? And since you have all insisted that this is part of the the process, they're basically waiting for the process to happen. They've they she has allowed you to go forward with this. That that first interaction you had where Bernie was just like, no, 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 you don't get this instrument, doesn't belong to you. Like Bolana still just wants you to give her the instrument. Okay, then let's do this. But that's not going to happen. Let's go ahead and get it signed by the Watchful Order first. That way, when we go and and have Thontorfrak sign it, we we get all that done, and then we can just give them the instrument at that point. Or do we want to get Thontorfrak to sign it, and then we give them the instrument, I guess? I don't know. I, I think we I'm need to have Thontorfrak sign it, mm-hmm. and they get the instrument... Well, actually, it might be better to have them sign it first. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Because then, yeah. then, like, we 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 get the impasse out of the way. Like, if they're just not going to sign it, then we're like, okay, then we're not going to fucking go out there to and risk our lives for y'all. Yeah, I don't want to take... Yes, I think that is actually... Bernie's going to um, cross a few things off the agenda <laughs> and, like, make write some arrows. <laughs> You know, I actually think that's the better course. And if I'm looking at our timetable, it'll work out. And I'll keep my mouth shut during that interaction because Julia has learned that this is that I have a personal visceral reaction to Bolana Zedok for some reason. Mm. <laughs> that is not Ver- Bernie. Like the moment you were like, yeah, Bolana just wants the instrument. And I was like, that's not going to fucking happen. I was like, that wasn't Bernie. That wasn't anything to do with the character I created. That was 
me having an emotional reaction to an imaginary situation. I don't like authority. And... <laughs> well, and Bernie has good reasons not to be happy with her, too. So it's not completely out of character. I know, but I had the, like, four-year-old, you're not the boss of me reaction to this character. And I put poor Jonathan in a horrible situation time and time again. Bully. <laughs> That's what uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular felt bullied. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But and and he knows that size is not indicative of power, so he is he is well well aware of everything that Bernie can do. Yes, I think we should get her to sign it because what Thorntorvac is not going to willingly give this instrument to them without a contractual guarantee. Right. So yeah, and if they don't sign it, we go okay. Have fun with your symphony of one, and then we'll go give him the instrument. He can have his own party. Yep. And we have time because we're teleporting to Larlet. We, we can do both today, right? Yep. We okay, can cool. teleport in the, later on the day. Okay, to the order. All right. We head in an orderly direction, which is actually one of the weird times where I made a word out of the thing that I put Lee at the end of. It's not a real word. It doesn't happen often, but it happened today. Just now. Wait, orderly. Orderly. Yeah, like, you, you know how I say, like, in a... In a, a, a yeah. I usually add, oh. like, in a shadowly direction or, like, yeah. in a Thontravacly direction, order these in actual words, so... Yeah, I thought mm-hmm. you said it wasn't, and I was like, no, it, no. No, it real. Yeah, but for a moment, I thought I had completely made up the fact that orderly was a real <laughs> All right, you head on over to the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors. When you enter, all of you enter, and you do see Razzo in his normal spot. He waves at you, hi, what... Hi, Jonathan. Did you did you all need anything? Yes, Rezo. Uh, we need to see we need to see if Belana Zedok if she's available or Master Zik ought to do uh, as well. But basically, we need we have we're getting ready to get a deal done with a third party who is quite powerful, and we need to we need one of the one of the adults. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think you're one of the best adults. But oh, if you need you. somebody who is a higher level than you, I totally understand. Uh, if you just want to go up, I, I can hang out with everybody else here. If they, you just need to get a signature. Or do, would you rather have them come down so that they can talk with all of you? Uh, let's go ahead and um, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to look down at Bernie. And he's going to raise an eyebrow looking for a non-verbal uh, cue as to what she thinks might be better. So yeah, eyebrow raise. Which eyebrow am I raising for which? <laughs> I don't know, like a... Uh, he kind of like just, up oh, or who? Travancore, looking at all this, is just going to point down like this, as if to indicate they should come down. Okay. Bernie, Bernie goes, mm, mm, mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, she's just kind of <laughs> like... <laughs> that's that's great radio right there. Bernie is going to uh, nod her head, like tuck her chin in like she's uh, Princess Diana giving an interview in the early 80s. Also, just so you know, Rezo rolled an insight to try to figure out what all of that was and is just looking at you all very confused. It's fine, Reza. We're good. And then Bernie uh, just goes, yeah, you're fine, okay? Yeah, what, uh, if they could come down and meet all of us, that would be fantastic. Thank you, Reza. Okay, uh, either Belana Zedduck or Master Zick. Okay, uh, please, please wait here just a moment. And he heads off into the back room and like five minutes later comes back, not very long actually, with Belana Zedduck. 
who is in full regalia, um, looking a mixture of concerned and intrigued, and comes on down and and seeing all of you says, let's have a chat, but not in the front room. We don't have to go upstairs, but uh, why don't you come on back? And she brings you back to one of the meeting rooms that's behind the doors. It's not, you don't do the full teleportation up into the tower, but one of the more private rooms and where you can discuss things without someone just walking in the front door. And she says, Razo said you had something for me to sign? Yes, uh, Master Zadok. Uh, so we are getting ready to leave for Larlet to discuss the terms and get and and solidify the agreement between uh, the Watchful Order and the dragon known as Thontor Brack for temporary custody of the instrument that belongs to him. So we are we are about to go uh, and leave. And once we have both parties signed, so we're getting the signature first. And once we get his and an agreement is is properly struck, then we will return and uh, and give you custody of the instrument for now. All right. Let me see the contract, please. Travancore will uh, present the contract. Since you talked to the lawyer and since this isn't some weird gotcha devil contract, I will just ask what are the major points of the contract that she'll be signing? And I'm not, you don't have to be like, this isn't a gotcha. If you don't say this correct, I'm going to, I'm looking for loopholes. Just kind of the general outline. I will confer with my fellow players to make sure that I got all the points right. And if I need anything needs to be corrected, by all means, correct. My understanding was that these two parties are forming like, an, or jointly operating, like are owning these things. And the individual owners, instruments are already owned by these parties who remain in ownership of them, but they're being leased to an orchestra for use to, to be played at a location to be determined. And then I believe the we wanted the language to say that the instrument would be returned uh, to any owners, uh, including uh, Dodger Brack, upon after request. such performance. Yeah. yeah, and also if there's any conflict with the contract that the Kingdom of Berkanum's ambassador general would be the third party arbitrator as a neutral party who's aware of both. Did we did we put in any language to the contract that would allow Thontorvrak to view, or were we going to leave that bit out? And just ask Thontrovrak if there were any other means that he had to view the concert. I don't remember if we had worked that in or not. Uh, I don't believe you did. If you decide right now that you want that to be added in, you absolutely can. I, wait, I thought we did include that Thontrovrak has to be able to view the concert. That's the yeah. whole okay. point of this. Yeah. Like, okay. That was okay. like the under. Like, like we went in there wanting something that would ensure perpetuity. Yeah. But I, like, we promised Thontrovrak that he would be a patron of the arts with acts like. There's no Access. reason for him to give up an instrument that he wants to hear played if they're not going to allow him to play it. So I, I think I think the the language would be any reasonable accommodations for any owners of instruments to be able to view the performances, and so that leaves it nice and vague, so that if they want to, if they want to hold it outside Waterdeep, and Dantovrak has proved that he can be invisible for a long period of time, so that means that he could view the concert without. People going, oh god, oh god, blue dragon. Or if he, if it's going to be held at a concert hall, uh, assuming that he can shapeshift, then he could attend the concert. And there's a dapper-looking gentleman in a lightning blue suit uh, who is just watching. He's got he's got a little he's got a little headpiece that has just a couple. I'll of let horns. him borrow my Billy Porter tux. <laughs> there you go. 
I think the idea of keeping the contract general enough to just require reasonable accommodation is is all that you need and then it would be worked out between the parties about specifics depending on where the concert is but reasonable accommodation is a is a okay good yeah that's in there okay anything else i think that's it i don't think we we wanted any there were no weird riders like no payment in green m&ms no like 61 gold pieces exactly you know as a something something no we we don't want to do any any weird crap like that all right. And yeah, because of that and because of the language being kept relatively clear, it's a very short contract. It is only a page. And so Balana Zadok almost instantly reads over it. All of you kind of recognize the way that she scans it in the same way that Jonathan scans stuff with his keen mind and where she almost watch her mentally take a picture of it. What's everyone's passive insight? Terrible. Passive insight. It's terrible. 13. Mine is 10. Oh, not that oh. terrible. Actually, no, 13. Um, Sorry, I lied. 13. 12. Insight. Mine 13 as well. is a 15. Bernie, you do notice the only obvious reaction she gives is when she gets to the end where it's got the places for the two parties to sign. And then underneath that, it talks about how this was created by uh, Sharon Douglas. Douglas, Douglas, Tony, Tony, and Tony associates. Her face changes slightly in recognition. She recognizes that person, which is not terribly surprising. As you know, she has worked for the Watchful Order for other things. With that, she nods and actually leads you all back out to the front office to go to Razzo's desk to get a pen and signs it on behalf of the Watchful Order and hands it on over and says, I'm assuming it, if you're going today that I could anticipate if everything goes well that I would have possession of the instrument tonight. Jonathan the Magimuscular will be able to get us back tonight because we, we can use the telep- uh, the teleportation circle to, to return. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, then I hope everything goes well because it would be excellent to have the instrument tonight and start contracting the musicians tomorrow. Uh, and she hands the contract back over. Quick question. Uh, I know we had talked about the the different musicians. Which one of these, Just this is just for Jonathan the Magimuscular Curiosity, which of these musicians is the one that's going to be playing this harp? She takes a second and she does that thing in where she, what is it, up and to the left when you're recalling information? Whatever the specific thing is when people who have perfect memories are like picturing something in their minds. You see her do that and she says, uh, the Olam Hop, that's going to be, uh, if she's interested, obviously we have not actually secured any of the musicians. We've just have temporary agreements in place that they're interested. But that's uh, Creek Cloud Fang. She's a gnome who's actually here in town, a, a very well-known bod, fairly accomplished Obviously, all these musicians are going to be very accomplished, uh, but she specifically is a hop player in general. A well-known gnome. Excellent. Yes, all of the, the musicians that we have contracted are masters of their specific instruments, oh, yes, yes. are ones that we have worked with before, are well-known bards in their circles, and have agreed to be open to negotiation once we have secured the rights to all of the instruments. And that is why I have wanted to get this done, is this is the last one. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Master Zadok. We will uh, we will be in touch, and we should be right back tonight. 
I will stay here and wait then if you anticipate returning today to hear your results. So please, when you arrive, come find me no matter how late it is. I want to get this literal show on the road. And I believe that is our cue, everyone. And Jonathan the Magimuscular gathers everyone and, you know, does his arcade. Oh, we can teleport out, but we can't teleport in, right? Uh, so in the front office, you can teleport uh, because this is not the place that's shielded by right. the rest of the if, tower. If so the, if the Amethyst Acropolis is a leg, this place is the foot. Actually, yes. <laughs> okay. That is a very accurate visual we're, we're representation. In the, we're in the feetsies. We're in the toesies. We're not, we're not, we're not talking about more foot stuff. Let's go. Yeah, you're kind of in the heel, and then when she took you through the back door towards the back rooms and the room that would take you to the teleportation circle to go up, that's kind of the bottom of the heel and the bottom of the area that is shielded by the Amethyst Acropolis. So yeah, and in fact, Balana's attic, as you say this, backs away and just turns around and leaves because she knows what you're doing. Although Razzo sits at his desk, fingers crossed, looking wide-eyed in excitement as he knows what you're doing, but is excited to watch. Yeah, Jonathan the Magimuscular utters the word, snaps his fingers, and as he's about to snap, winks at Razzo, and we disappear in a in a flash of light as we you feel the familiar pull from your stomach as uh, we tear through space and time and then appear in Larlet. Well, I do need, oh God. since there is not a teleportation circle in Larlet, I do need you to roll on the, let's see, teleport has a chance of having a mishap. 58. A squishy 58 from the Sangin dice. Oh, God, they're squishy. I know, right? I don't it's like just, it. I don't like it. I switched back to the oil slick one, the researchers. You're absolutely fine. Um, with a 58, since you've been to this area before, um, not only that, I will say it's it's not just that you've seen it casually, that you're actually edging into being very familiar as you were all being incredibly cautious the first time you were here. Yeah, you into the outskirts of the ruined town that you are familiar with. The snow is a little lighter, but it's still kind of cold. It's kind of a gray overcast day with little bits of snow falling from the sky. And a little ways away, you do see the broken down windmill and the leftovers of this town. You don't immediately see Thontorvrak, but also that is not necessarily a surprise. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on August 1st at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. C-A-L-X-B-O-D-Y-M-O-L-Y. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. Immediately after we land, Jonathan the Magimuscular casts Mage Armor on himself 
and the armor shimmers into existence and he brings Bucks in and says, Bucks, uh, if you could have a look around uh, from about 100 feet, please. And he spirals on up and go ahead and give me a perception check. So where are we standing exactly? You're just outside of the ruins of the town. Unless Jonathan tells me otherwise, I'm assuming you didn't want to land right at the windmill. That You kind of wanted to land just before entering the town. So you had a chance to look around a little bit. Bernie wants to send a sending. Okay, that is an 18 from Bucks as well. Okay. Um, we'll get to your sending in just a second. Bucks goes up and takes a wide circle, um, looks around, does not see anything unexpected or untowards. Uh, who are you sending? Bernie's going to do sending to Thontorvac. It's just okay. going to say, you here? <laughs> you up? <laughs> no, no. You here, not you up. We, you we, we went <laughs> down that path once. <laughs> drunk night in a Philly hotel room and we're not going down that path again. <laughs> best episodes. Oh, man. Drunk time my favorite things. I don't know why. It's like all my favorite things we do are us in very tiny spaces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you send this ending and there is a brief pause and then through the sending you get a chuckle and you hear Thontorvrak say I assume you mean the place we're supposed to be meeting at today. I appreciate the brevity. Yes. Hold, please. Bernie's not very good at holding, but I don't want to blow another spell slot. So I guess she's just going to be like, she's going to hum to herself. She's going to be like. Girl from Ibanada, yeah. After about 10 seconds of the girl from Ipanema. Yeah, I said Epinata. Clearly, okay, I don't want to look on my brain <laughs> actually, right now. Actually, no, there is a t- small, beautiful coastal town in Faerun named Empanada, and this is why Empanadas exist in fantasy. Is this Bernie's I Know Someone? Is her thing is yeah. the, the town of Empanada. <laughs> this is a song about a girl from Empanada who is a very wonderful cook. And when she serves them to you, each person she serves goes, I love this, and it's now canon. So ever since I was 12 and I finished Sonic 3, like, the the theme for foreboding was the opening doom notes of the the end boss. You know, when you're Mm. taking that little thing to the egg thing that goes, Yeah. That has not gone away in over 20 years. So this is what you're hearing right now in your brain as we... As we walk up to this windmill, which I assume in my head, you know, the Disney, the like, well, the, the Disney cartoon about the old mill. No. Yes, but I'm not picturing it at the moment. My brain's blue screening on that. I'm pretty sure they reused that in the Ichabod Crane thing too, but like, it's the foreboding old windmill. It's like, that's what I picture. And now I guess it's that overlaid. With with Sonic 3 Doom. <laughs> and somewhere, uh, just as this is happening, um, Travancore, if you could hear the thoughts of this blue dragon, it he would be very pleased to know that he is getting such dramatically appropriate music. As Bernie hums girl from Empanada. As as you... Uh, now I want Empanadas. Uh, I just had as, them last weekend. They're, they were good. Oof, yeah. I want. I want. As you hum... It takes about 10 seconds of being quote-unquote on hold. And then you all hear, 
Between the meeting uh, at the Watchful Tower and while waiting for Thontorvac, Carlton, being very self-conscious about him not being the smartest one in the party, has been practicing his signature. And Bernie probably notices the ink-covered fingers as he has literally figured out which signature he was going to use. <laughs> All right. I like it. And yes, you are thinking about your penmanship skills as the sound of massive leathery wings fills the air and shimmering into view, obviously dropping a, a invisibility, is your acquaintance, Thontorvrak? We'll say acquaintance. But yes. Or frenemy? Is he frenemy state? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Obviously, flying in from over a nearby hill, he lands in the same spot as uh, before when you had encountered him and where there's a little bit of an open courtyard to the ruins of this town and then sits down like a cat on back haunches, legs in front of him, tail coming and curling around his feet. A little bit, also like a cat in that imp impetuous, you come to me. And he uh, he gives you a cheeky grin, specifically to you, Bernie, of like, here I am. Bernie waves, she goes, hi! Hello. So I feel like I should get to roll for this behavior because... Well, it depends on what you want to do. You might not even have I to roll. I want to unsettle him. Because he tried to intimidate me last time. And I think, I think Bernie, there's nothing intimidating about Bernie, right? Well, physically, no, but that's like we've said before, intimidation has zero to do with size. There's yeah. a reason that intimidation is a charisma skill, not a strength skill. Although Car I would let Carlton use his strength for intimidation, so. So I would like to... I feel like intimidation covers, like, a wide array of things. Yeah. But I think Bernie wants to – my goal is for Bernie to – I don't know. It's almost like a counterspell situation. She wants to knock him off kilter because we have been historically very afraid of him. Jonathan's uncomfortable. You know, Travancore is – is Bernie can see in his head that he's playing the doom music. <laughs> Like, Bert, I feel like that's something the party must know is that Travancore has, like, Doom music. And so Bernie is like, oh, fuck, the Doom music's playing. And, like, she's trying to remember the last time. Like, you know, Carlton is insecure about his handwriting. And that might be a little bit Bernie's fault. And, like, so she's decided that she's not going to, like, this isn't something that is going to be won by being more intimidating in a traditional sense. Mm -hmm. But I think... I think Bernie thinks that she can not intimidate, but, like, she wants to act in a manner of, like, just somebody who, like, Thontorvac is like, why are you not intimidated by me? Why are you so weirdly, like, happy to see me? I could eat you. And I feel like I would like to be able to make some kind of check that Bernie's, like, wildly cheery behavior should unsettle him. Well, no check so far, because... He's just landed and you've just started this interaction. So I want the interaction to happen. And then depending on what happens, I'll let you uh, make a, a, a check or maybe I'll make him make a check. Uh, but it's good to know that that's kind of your intent here. Yeah. Um, but in this moment, really, you've just waved and said hi. So what would you like to do? 
How close are we? We've like uh, walked you're up. like a hundred feet away. You're he. You are outside of the you know, town, quote unquote, and he's landed in this clearing. And you needed that much space because he is a massive dragon, and landing next to you would have knocked you all on your ass. So you actually take it as a slight sign of maybe respect that he didn't try to land on top of you because it would be funny. It would be funny. So Bernie has decided, I think, Jonathan and Phil, and Bernie's just like, you know what? No, we're not going to act like we're scared, even if we are feeling scared. And so she's just going to be like, shoulders back, and she's going to be like, hi! And she's just going to be like, everything's fine. And so she's going to walk up like she would walk up to meet anybody. Jonathan the Magimuscular has a big boost of confidence since he can uh, Thanos meteors from the sky now. But we're not going to do that today. We're not going to do that today. No one's going to die today. That's like what's like, you know, doom music is playing in Travancore's head. And so Bernie is like realizing that we also didn't put ourselves in the call. And so we've no way to talk to each other in our brains. That did not happen. (laughs) Carlton is just now realizing that it has not happened when he was like just thinking like very loudly to the others. Like, hey, like, how how are we going to do this? And nobody's responding. And then he's like, oh, I never. And he's like, I never heard the Telbond music. Shit. Bernie <laughs> looks over while you're like kind of like kind of rocking a little forward and making this scrunch up face and she goes, do you like to poop? <laughs> no, uh, I was trying to talk. You, think but you were supposed to go before we left. We do it all the time. What do we do before we Bernie, leave, I, Carlton, I don't have to poop. We poop that is, and that, then we teleport. I, that is not and with a natural face. 20 on his perception, Thontorvrak looks at you with an amused look and says, well, hopefully this conversation will not last long enough and you can hold on to your bowels. I don't have to poop, anybody! <laughs> say, I mean, whatever you say, I will not be offended if you need to run <sighs> off into the woods. Yeah, don't worry, I can, I can... No, uh, I'm, the, I'm the neutral party, I'm supposed to sign the contract with you. Mm, I can't no. go off the woods and I don't have to poop! I'm sorry, contract? So, we have gotten... We're walking up by now. We're up there, yeah, right? Yeah, like, we're, let's we're, just, we're okay. yeah, Bernie and a, As I and, said, he rolled a natural 20 in his perception, yeah. but you were, you were walking and talking. So we have ironed out an agreement, a formal agreement with the uh, Watchful Order that will ensure that, uh, that legally the instrument, a recognition of your ownership of the instrument, and that you are gracefully lending it for this performance. And it has an allowance for some reasonable accommodations to... Make sure that you can actually see this instrument and the other uh, instruments used in a performance. Bernie looks and Jesus, there's also a shady shit clause. So when they get a new director in a hundred years and you're still around, they can't pretend like they no longer have to abide by the loan terms. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Is this how magically binding is this contract? Not at all. Not magically, legally. Legally binding. Okay. Let me see the terms. And he hunches down to essentially lay down, which puts his head close enough to your head height that one of you could show him the contract. Travancore will show Vontra back the contract. Okay. Does he have a a monocle? Does he have some kind of magnify? You know, like jewelers? I would love to say that he does, but he pulls out like a monocle a because loop. I find that uh, visual appealing. And I nope, think tiny, tiny glass. He's bifocals. Normal size us for us, but like little 
all the way on the end of the snoot. On his giant worm <laughs> snouts. Unfortunately, no. I, I love the visual, but in this case, I am going to have to say no, especially since his perception is so high that even though, Travancore, you do have to stand a respectful distance back from the ozone-filled air that this creature exudes, it's very obvious that from where you're holding up this page, he can read it. And he scans it, and Jonathan... In much the same way that Balana, and much the same way that you would scan any form that you are then committing to memory, he does a very similar thing. Uh, it's a slightly different eye movement because his eyeballs are the size of this piece of paper, but you recognize the same pattern. And he thinks for a moment, and I roll something. While he's rolling this, Jonathan's going to ask, so as one practitioner of arcane magic to another. I know that in this contract, there are reasonable accommodations for your attendance of these performances. I know if, say, the concert were held just outside of Waterdeep, or or maybe certain areas of Waterdeep, you could easily attend without anyone knowing via the invisibility we've seen you do. And I know some dragons have the ability to just naturally polymorph themselves, although you may have that spell available to you. If the concert were held in Waterdeep proper, and it was, say, at the, the Grand Hall, would that be something that you would be able to attend in, in one form or another? He's been reading over the contract, and you, you watch as he thinks, and then that question makes him eye you for a second, and he grins a little bit and says, I could make that work, yes. Excellent. Okay, we just... We didn't want to freeze you out of, they say, oh, well, we're going to hold it in the Grand Hall behind all our dragon defenses. And then it's like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. But it's good. It's genuinely good to know, Thunderbrack, that uh, you will be able to send this. Jonathan the Metamuscular is keenly interested in keeping all parties happy. Uh, going forward, one of the things that, that Jonathan the Metamuscular is going to commit to is making sure that the instrument is returned to you. Lauren, the DM would like to know how sincere is that statement? Uh, very. Okay. Okay. You, you don't have to answer this, but have you ever been to one of the concerts that they throw in the Grand Hall? Is there a reason why I would want to answer that? I don't know. Because, like, you got your own secrets and shit like that. You know, but I've never been. And I want to know what kind of snacks they have there if I'm going to be sneaking some in in my purse. Well, it is my understanding with most concert halls, not specifically the great one in Waterdeep, but all of them, concessions is how they make most of their money. Yeah, they're really overpriced. Well, think of it this way. The more they charge for the snacks better they're paying the musicians. That is true. <laughs> that is very true. And with do, that, you watch do, do, as... Do. <laughs> and the crossover between Thontorvrak and Lauren continues. <laughs> oh, 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 that, that was a very, uh, a very pointed opinion. Very, very grounded in a sort of reality. That is not necessarily 100% reality, but it's not that far off. Anyway... You watch as, as he says this, he also waves a 
a clawed hand in a semi-familiar gesture and in front of the contract that Travancore is currently holding, a translucent hand of lightning appears. And Thantorvrak looks back at all of you and says, this is satisfactory. If I am required to sign this in order to continue this relationship, I'm going to need a pen. <gasps> oh, you have a favorite <laughs> color? And Bernie oh. goes into the bag of holding and she pulls out all her inks. And then she points at the last five and she goes, these are metallic and shiny. You know how in anime when like cooks put forth their like their utensils or like lo- thieves will like all of a sudden their lockpicks <laughs> like, here. Pulls it out. Yeah. This is Bernie like, like pens, inks, everything. Bernie, <laughs> very clearly with your insight, you see Weapon two... Inks. <laughs> you see two different, and, and you all kind of notice this general sentiment, but Bernie clearly sees uh, at the uh, what color would you like and the presentation of the inks, very clear delight on Thontorvrak's face. He is Im- impressed and also incredibly pleased at this turn of events. The fact that you don't just have a pen, that you have a variety of colors. And then when you do say the five and the end are metallic, there is a little souring of that oh. pleasure. <laughs> just a, just a, like a, a hair like... Ah, mm. And then the, the mage hand... I was thinking about gel pens. <laughs> I know you were, but for reasons that after you said that, he, it doesn't completely sour his expression. Uh, he can tell that you didn't mean anything specific about it, but he the mage hand does gently reach down at your offer, and it does take the black. It doesn't take the blue. Dips signs and what you see is just Fontorbrack. He does not give the rest of it. Um and Travancore, as you're watching this happen, you do realize that there's probably a lot more to this creature's name than just Thontorvrak, and there would probably be reasons that he would not give you his full name. This is legally a, a real name, but like it doesn't surprise you that all he lists is Thontorvrak. Your knowledge of dragons is that he wouldn't give the Ooh. full true name. And devils. And, uh, well, any creature, really. Like, there's, uh, there's a whole bunch there's of creatures who... There's a power in names. Ask the Romulans, ask the Hanar. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Onomancy is a thing, even if it's no longer an official thing in D&D. Act Rothfuss and yeah. all those yeah. folks. Exactly. I, thought I should update you all, let you know that the Doom music from Sonic 3 is now turned to the theme song from Whatchamacallit Candy Bar. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it was, very yeah. soothing. The the mage hand signs the the mage hand that is controlled by Thontorvrak signs the contract gently and carefully puts the pen back into the assortment. Gives you another look, Bernie, and says, "I appreciate the variety and the the quality, of course, but I feel like a contract of this import, as much as my preferred colors might not be black." I think we should stay formal for this, shall we? Yeah, the pink doesn't dry very well anyways, if I'm being honest. And there is a seriousness to a contract that requires a black. And she, like, sadly kind of does a thing where she shoves all of them back into the bag and she looks over at Carlton. She goes, your turn. And I will reach out for the black pen from Thontrevec. Well, he doesn't have any more. He's put it back in the assortment. So you can oh, you can well, then I will do pick this. up the same one. Yeah. And I'll 
very slowly and deliberately, with as much grace as I have been practicing, uh, sign Carlton Tanks. All right. And like, so it looks very official. I have two questions for you, Carlton. One. Yes. Do do you own or are you proficient in calligraphy tools? No. Okay. And no. Then I would like you to roll a dexterity. You know what? I'll let you do acrobatics check or a sleight of hand check. Do I get advantage because John actually practiced? It does look very good. I'm not going to give you advantage, but I will say that there's not a DC to this. It's not like you can fail at signing your name, but I will take that into account that you actually did physically write out your name. Seven. Okay. Sleight of hand. <laughs> the signature from Balana Zadok is... It's the signature of somebody who just has a couple of big flourishes and a lot of straight lines. It's it's a no-nonsense B, B, Z, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's how my dad signs shit. That's like, how oh. I sign shit. Check it out. I failed at signing my own name. <laughs> it, it, it's sort of the thing. Uh, Thontrofrak's signature kind of reminds me of the, of the deal where if you sign autographs, you're not supposed to use your actual signature. You're supposed to use like an autograph signature. So... Mm. Uh, oh. Which is something that I never thought I would need to do, but then we started signing stuff for, for uh, for our lovely, lovely fans, and so now I, I actually have a a uh, yep, autograph signature now. Yep, a super I exaggerated J. Yeah, my J is different. Yeah, my nice. autograph wow. my yeah. autograph signature is is literally me actually writing out my name, whereas my real signature is not is is more of a is actually in cursive. Yeah, Jonathan, you're not wrong about Thontorvrak's signature. It is it is very legible. It is very neat. But it is that flourishy style. It's not calligraphy, but it's very presentational. Carlton, your signature is very simplistic in comparison, but it is also clean and neat. So is it... That's what I was going for. It is cursive and it is legible. <laughs> well, and so what you, what you, John, the person, had done was some pretty nice calligraphy right there. What, Just because I had a, the only pen I had had a brush tip. <laughs> Listen, it was nice. So what Carlton, like, it's the the neat handwriting of somebody who it's it's in all caps, but it doesn't look like, you know, it's that neat handwriting in all caps and where it's incredibly legible, but it's very like, oh, you just wrote this in Times New Roman. That's kind of impressive, even though it's very basic. Listeners can actually see the Carlton signatures because I sent it to get posted to the socials when this episode airs. Aw. You finish signing, and the mage hand has disappeared, and Thontrovrax says, there is two other things. This is all very fine and well and good, uh, and I assume that... Someone will be contacting me about the specifics for the concert and all of that. And I don't expect you to know any of that. Do you have a sending stone you want us to give them? I don't have anything on me, but I am familiar with some of the people there. And we can we can make sure that we contact each other. Sounds like this Balan is the goes, one. Do you, okay, so here's the deal. Do you want, uh, like, I don't know. I'm not going to make assumptions about abilities to communicate. Because that's rude. But in order to make sure information doesn't fall through, when we have, like, things, you just want us to send you a sending. And you can be like, cool, they already told me. Or you can be like, mm, they failed to communicate that. Thontorvrak <laughs> nods appreciatively and says, 
I don't think that will be necessary. I would actually be very uncomfortable with a organization of such power and prestige as the Watchful Order of Magician Protectors unable to come up with a way of contacting me. But, and he... Bernie goes, have you ever heard the term failing up? Well, considering the consequences of failure in this case would be disastrous for many people. And he points at the contract, clearly at Bolana's name, and says, I think I have my contact figured out. So thank you for that. But more importantly, two things. One, as I said, I will await that information. Also, I believe I gave you something in order to be able to retrieve my instrument. And he now turns back to Jonathan. Jonathan the Magimuscular, he tries to hide his disappointment because he knew this was coming, but was hoping that that it wouldn't. Uh, But he reaches into his uh, spell component pouch and he had fashioned a ring to keep his keys to different different realities, but Mm -hmm. it only had two keys. (laughs) So he unhooks the plate of water key and then... Quickly cast Mage Hand, and Mage hands it over to Thontrovarak. As you do that, I'd like you to roll a deception check to see how well you hide your disappointment. To the tune of a ten. Hmm. So not well. Thontrovarak takes the tuning fork back. His hand, it's this tiny little thing in his claw, his massive paw. And he closes it. And and you watch him do some arcane movement, and when he opens his hand again, it is gone. But you're not sure exactly what he did. And he lingers his gaze on you for just an extra moment. You could swear he reads your disappointment, but is... Understanding is the wrong word, because understanding includes a little too much empathy. But that's what you get. Like, he notices your disappointment, but he doesn't say anything. And he doesn't make a big deal out of it. But you you get the sense that he understands that. And he says, excellent. That was much easier than the contract. The other thing is, I'm assuming you are to return to Waterdeep and there to get this whole concert prepared. Do you have the instrument with you now? We do, right? Do we? Yeah. 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 I have been waiting a very long time. Are any of you... Perhaps proficient enough to play. Oh, God, no. What was the, the, the mandolin, right, is what we got last time? Yeah. I plucked two strings on the mandolin in the middle of a labyrinth, and it made this really nice hum inside my brain. And I thought it might want to take over my brain, and then it didn't take over my brain, so I thought that meant we were friends. But that's the extent of my musical training. Um, I know a lot of hymns. Yes, the instruments of this quality, they are not intelligent, but they certainly require a lot more force of personality than the, your normal everyday performers. And I could, I could see where the force of the power of this instrument could be overwhelming to those who don't have the correct training. If you can give me some chords, I can probably... I don't know. It felt really good inside my brain when I plucked that string, y'all. I know no one was there and I was all alone and I think there was like a lot of dead bodies around. But I'd do it again. Would you please pull it out at least and maybe 
I'm not asking for a performance from anybody who is not a performer, but I've waited a very long time, and I would like to at least see it and hear at least a few notes from it. I do this, and you're going to tell me about how you got your doctorate degree. And <laughs> I did not forget. I usually forget. <laughs> and Thunderbrack says, you'll attempt to do this and we'll see how it goes. And I promise I will not make fun of whatever your attempt produces. That seems fair. Are we, are you guys okay? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Bernie makes the most sense. Like, the only other argument I can make is that Travancore is attuned to Isilgal, which is sort of like a semi-sentient being, but that doesn't necessarily translate to musical skull. It does not, unfortunately. Are any of you proficient in any instrument? John is, or Carthen is. Oh. What are you proficient in? <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Pan flute. Oh, well, not quite close enough. So this is instrument. Carlton is proficient in woodwinds. Help me with the roll by telling me which strings to plug. I was trying to see real quick if I had any spells that I could cast on myself. I I could pull out the pan flute and give you like a melody. So I'll say this so that you're not, especially since Bernie has already basically done exactly what Fontorvrak is asking. Bernie, what you have been describing as this thing, you know reverberated in my head and tried to take over for a moment you do remember you're going to have to make a saving throw in order to deal with the power of this instrument Thontrofrak is not asking you to play it in the sense of give me a concert or even give me a tune he basically wants the same thing that you did with the other instrument on the harp pull it out let him look at it pluck a couple of of strings on it and Carlton I'm going to say that you're Knowledge and insight is actually high enough that he would not want you to pull out the pan flute and play along. Oh. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 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 Carlton starts to pull it out and then it's like, nah, maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe, maybe I just. Tell me which one to pluck. Uh, start with the G string. Of course. Of Bernie, course. So you, so Bernie <laughs> pulls out the Olam harp. It is still gorgeous and pristine. Uh, and you're going to pluck it? She's going to boop her own nose, and she's going to, on herself, she's going to cast Bless. Okay. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. It's not a high DC, which is why you were successful before. So that's going to be a total of 32. All right. You feel that same moment as you pluck the harp come over you as with the, the mandolin, in where... The vibration of the string on this harp doesn't just vibrate into the air. It vibrates up your arm and into your brain. And there is a half a second of uncomfortableness as it settles in there. And then it just fades. And it's okay. And you pluck a few strings. And unless you tell me you're trying to make a tune, I'm going to say you just pluck a couple of strings. And the whole area vibrates. She's gonna go for, um, like, you know, oh, this is, it's been a really long time since, but you know, you do a scale and you go like all the way up and all the way down and then you go like lowest, mid, highest, and she's just gonna go lowest, mid, highest. Give me a performance check just to see if you can get the, well, so this is, this is less a performance in, in the traditional sense. Like you're going to obviously play a low string, a bill string and a high string, but to see if you can at least pick like the same note in, or in the same chord. What'd you get? That's a six. Does my bless go for performance? No, it's not for checks. It's for attack rolls and saving throws. And saving throws. Yeah. 
if it helps, it helped on the the important one. Yeah, it helped on the important one. Yeah. You pluck a low note, you pluck a middle note, you pluck a high note. It's three different notes out of three different chords. But once again, nobody, including Thontervrak, is looking for a performance in this moment. But the quality of the instrument is obvious to all of you, no matter what your skill or knowledge about music is. The fact that you are outdoors, surrounded by snow, and this instrument is being played by someone who is not a musician, just a couple of notes. And there is this ethereal echo to it. And because it isn't notes that are in a chord or a part of a song, it's almost strangely haunting. It kind of makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up as the, the, the slight dissonance hits you. And there is a reverb that is gorgeous. And you all very clearly watch Thondravrak's eyes widen in pleasure and his mouth curl into the first real smile devoid of any other emotion. Most of the time his smiles are devious or mischievous or intriguing or have hints of danger in them. And this is an honest, joyful grin. Does Bernie know enough to know that she got it kind of wrong? Like, I mean, she hears the dissonance, right? You hear the dissonance, yeah. Can she try again? I'm going to say no, but you you get the sense what you got right was that you could even play it. <laughs> like... Now that you've you've done this twice with two of these instruments, you got the sense that if you hadn't made that initial save, you wouldn't have been, been evil, even able to pluck a string. So the fact that you were able to play it at all means you won. So there's this quiet moment, and Thontorvrak nods, and then his face falls back into kind of that half smirk, and he says, Thank you. I'm willing to wait a little while to hear it produced by a master bard, but it would have been a shame to know that it was so close and not even hear a couple of absolutely beautiful notes. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. It feels really good in your brain. You all felt that weird kind of tingly, right? There's a word that describes that. Carlton, is this what it feels like when someone tries to take over your brain? I know that happens a lot. It kind of feels like a like a squeeze almost. Like they're squeezing it and like controlling you. Like if they want you to move this way, they kind of put a little pressure on this lobe. They want you to move through this, they put a little pressure over here. But yeah, just like like somebody's fingers are in there, just like fiddling about. Bernie, you got a thirty-two. You said on your save thirty-two. With a thirty-two, you know if you'd failed this save, not only would it, it's not that the instrument would have taken over you in the sense of, like, controlling you, but it would have prevented you from playing and you would have taken psychic damage. It definitely wasn't like that. It was more like like a really nice shiver. It was very Donald Duck in Mathematics Land, how you described it, Lauren. I very much enjoyed it. Bernie, your brain is a lot stronger than mine when it comes to these things because you communicate with gods and you're used to, like, being at a more heightened awareness. So it might be the same feeling... But you get it to a lesser extent than I do. Whereas, like, you, it might be like a ting, ting, ting. Whereas me, it's like, grrr. That's fair. It was really nice, though. 
It will be even nicer when it is performed by a legitimate professional, which none of us are. No shame or shade. We all have our talents, and just because none of us are talented in the performing of these instruments, that does not mean that we cannot be talented in the listening. All right, your contract is signed. I will expect to hear from this Bologna Zedok shortly. Thank you very much for your time and for your expertise. I look forward to hopefully working with you in the future under less coercive circumstances. And with that, he backs away just enough. Wait. So wait, we're done? He's about to leave. He literally yep. backs enough. I thought we were going to talk about his doctorate. <laughs> when you say that, he, he backs away just enough of a respectful distance as he is about to, his wings unfurl. And once again, you get the sense that he's doing this out of some sort of respect because he knows he could just knock you over with a wing blast. The wings stop for a second. He looks back down at you, Bernie, and he says, it would be boring. Trust me. All those years of study over nothing. And he flies away. So wait, we're, we're out of contract with him? We're, we're done with him for good? Well, it sounds no. like we're at least not being coerced by him. He may come to his other work, but it'll be our choice whether to take it or not. That's what right. I took from it, at least. I, I, Which is, I believe no. so. So I thought we were going to go to the concert with him. I don't. I think he will probably. It may be a uh, a uh, a wraith of the fans of the opera situation. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that play, but basically they keep a box open for this for this wraith. And uh, and so I've seen one play, and you were there when I saw it. Ah. Well, Wraith, uh, Wraith of the Opera is uh, is quite good. In Care Calendar, it's kind of the tourist show. You know, I, we, I've seen it a bunch, and and that's a lot of people who are coming to the island. Uh, that's one of the things that they they have to do uh, on the on the wide road. But uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really good. But I don't know. We'll probably have a situation for that. I don't I don't think we're going to socialize with him. That may be interesting. But mm. Bernie. Now we know that he can assume a humanoid form. That's probably how he went to school. She looks at Travancore and she goes, Are dragons allergic to chocolate? Travancore wants to do a check to see if they're allergic to chocolate. And uh, Travancore immediately responds, no. Yeah, I'm going to say you don't even have to do a, a check. You know they're not allergic to chocolate. Like any other creature, the tastes vary. Some love chocolate, some loathe it, some are indifferent to it. The indifference is the one that always gets me. Right. No strong feelings one way or the other. A cold heart of neutrality. Yeah, I don't like that. No. That place sounds good. I'm technically a tourist. I could probably check it out at some point. So, yeah. I Jonathan the Magic Muscular can take us right back. Uh, just give me give me a second and we'll, we can head back. Unless there's anything we want to talk about out here. Nope. It's all just us. <laughs> Bernie, like, reaches down and she's going to pluck one last string on the harp. <laughs> And it's a similar evocation of of an obvious, excellently crafted instrument being resonated. It it makes you all, to varying degrees that are dependent on your personal enjoyment of music, it makes you all for a moment feel that excitement about hearing an actual bard play this instrument. Carlton's going to enjoy the scenery for a minute. Mm-hmm. I think what we should do is we should sit here and watch the sun go down and Bernie's going to pluck random notes on this amazing harp and have some friend time because we've been through a whole lot of shit 
And like, because like, if you, if I recall correctly, Wildlife's like on a cliff, like overlooking the Sword Coast. Like, it's kind of a scenic area, right? We're gonna sit next to this old janky mill, and Bernie's gonna pluck notes on the harp. She's gonna make mild attempts to be good at it, but she's just gonna pluck a random note because she just wants to sit here with her friends before we have to go dive back into the bullshit and enjoy the fact that we're no longer in debt to a dragon. It is just after noonish, like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. So it's still a couple hours till sunset, although, you know, with it being late winter, that's not too far away. Larlet's not on the edge of a cliff. However, Carlton's not wrong. There's a weird beauty to this place because it is kind of that, it's a little sad in some directions because you're seeing the destroyed remains of this town, but that happened so... We'll just look that the other way. Well, and that happened so long ago that it's just, with the exception of the mill, the windmill, and a couple of bits and pieces here and there, it's a very old destruction. It's all covered in snow and moss. The The forest has kind of overtaken bits of it. The snow is lightly falling, um, which kind of gives it this ethereal nature, and everything is it's less that there's beauty around you because of the it's it's more that it's calm and because it's so quiet where you are it amplifies in a way the occasional plucking on the harp whether or not you're trying to play a tune like just the fact that there is zero other there's no birds chirping there's nothing else going on between it being winter and recent dragon, there ain't nothing going on. So yeah, if you want to hang out here, and it is not so bitterly cold that you're uncomfortable, like all of you have winter clothes, there is fire that is available from especially Jonathan. Um, If you would like to spend a little bit of time and just quietly chat amongst yourselves and enjoy the scenery before Jonathan takes you back, I can say you will, you can at least take a short rest. And it's... It's calming. It's nice. Would Carlton, probably not because I didn't say it, but would I have like some food ingredients on hand at this point now that I've been trying to do chef training and I wanted to be able to cook out in the field? I'd say you'd at least have some spices. Whether you have like... Like, yeah, I'm not going to have anything exotic, but like, would I have like, in the two days, would I have like, bought some meat or like, vegetables like from the house? Sure. Would I have brought that in? Did you pack us a lunch is what you're asking. No, but I'm about to make us lunch. Yeah, sure. like pack stuff for lunch. You can make us lunch. Yeah, and then we have our rations. Traffic work can always hunt if we need and gather if we need stuff. Well, we're just going to sit here. I would say absolutely that Carlton would have packed a lunch. Why not? Or packed the ingredients for a lunch. What would you like to try to make? Uh, give me a second. I'm going to open up to a random recipe. Everything soup. Ev- okay. <laughs> I like it. Kind of fitting. Go ahead and give me, uh, what's the check we've been doing for your cooking? Because I know you now now have uh, half proficiency with cooking utensils, right? You gave me proficiency with chef's tools, I thought. Proficiency with chef's tools. Thank you. Okay. So give me a, uh, give me a d20 roll and add your proficiency bonus. And then my proficiency is a plus six. Come on, dice! You're killing me! Uh, oh, no. Uh, eight plus six, that's a 14. I mean, that's pretty good, especially because your proficiency bonus is nice and high. You also picked soup. You've picked something nice and simple, which is perfect for out here. Jonathan is able to- Thank you, random recipe. 
you know what? You picked your own DC in this case. When you picked soup, you picked something that was... It's a cold winter day. A nice hearty soup would be... go. It goes far. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have the perfect spices and the perfect things to put in the soup? No. But what Carlton is able to whip up out of what he has brought with him for lunch, it's essentially um like... It's the chicken noodle soup equivalent of like a a very simple chicken noodle soup, but it's hearty and it tastes good and it warms your inside as you are all sitting around listening to Bernie Pluck and you've got the fire going and Shadow curls up next to Travancore and you all enjoy however long you would like to sit around and get a moment of peace. I also find it funny that, like, when I look, o- when I hover over my proficiencies with tools, it just says Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Source Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> You're welcome. And eventually, I worked on those. Would you like to head back? Yeah, yeah. You know, we look at the scenery. Here's some Minecraft music in our heads. Uh, occasionally, <laughs> the, the music references today are on point. Jeez. <laughs> my, listen, I had a super frustrating uh, deal I was working on at work. And the only reason I got through it was I put on the like ten hour Minecraft mix, mm. and that 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 music just puts me in a really good place when other good. things are not going so good. All right, Jonathan takes a moment to warn you all before casting. I'm assuming teleportation to go back to the Watchful Order. Uh, teleportation circle. So he actually does the, the sprinkling of the dust around an area, raises a fist, crushes it, and the the area turns into a a little kawoosh happens and we hop into the the stargate that happens to be on the ground. <laughs> you do. And you all appear in the warm confines of the watchful order teleportation circle. And Master Zick is there waiting ostensibly for you. Doesn't seem surprised by you. Looks at all of you and says, oh, Excellent. Balana had said that you were going to be coming back, and so I figured I'd wait up. There was actually something I was hoping to contract you all to do if you were interested. Contract as in money? Money. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a little, uh, not to be uncouth, but we're, we're a little poor. Well, that's not uncouth at all. This is definitely a, a job that the Watchful Order needs to hire people for, yes. Great, great, yes. Pay me money, please. Money, please! <laughs> well, Not the completion of the job, obviously. There's allowances for an advance, but I will I will pay you once the job is done. Why don't you go deliver the instrument to Balana and come back to my office, and I'll tell you about Ichabod Tea Strainer. I would love to hear about Ichabod Tea Strainer and how much you're going to pay me to help out with whatever needs to be. Just like a lot. And with that, We'll pause there. And the next time we get together, you'll deliver the instrument and you will hear all about the job for Ichabod Tea Strainer uh, that Master Zick wants to send you on. Uh, but first, let me give you some experience before we go for the evening for uh, the DNWW Do Not What Willie, for You Hear, for Girl from Empanada, which is now canon in my world. <laughs> oh, for... I've been said it too. I just watched that video and I'm like, Oh, yeah, Girl from Ibanada. That sounds right. Yeah, sure. No, I love that you said it. I love that that's what it is. And and I am totally here for that version of the, the Faerun version of Girl from Empanada. Uh, for the Sonic Doom music. 
And for <laughs> the Wraith at the Opera, I'm giving you all a total of 15,000 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, Balana will get her instrument and Master Zick will offer you a job. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.